Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I have it on a good authority that after Jamar Chase got dressed, ascended the steps of the bus, got up on the bus, looked out across all of his teammates and said, what the elf was that? You're listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast, an iconoclastic look at the latest Cleveland Browns news. The What the Elf Was That podcast is part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here's your host, Joel Cade. So I'm thinking after this game that Jamar Chase now believes in elves. Because he didn't catch much, he didn't get much. And I think now he's a believer, at least in elves. So welcome to the next episode of What the Elf Was That? Today we're doing the Steelers, or Browns at Steelers pregame show, uh, recording this on Tuesday. And I have with me today Jeff Hartman, who I'm going to let introduce himself. Thanks for having me. Uh, I am one of the main key cogs of the Steel Curtain Network, which is fans for Sports Network's Pittsburgh Steelers podcast feed and write for SteelCurtainNetwork.com. Uh, obviously, uh, the network director at Fans for Sports Networks. So are very familiar with your all's work over here at the Fanatical Elves. So it's good to be here. Happy to be here. So we got the big wigs in today, guys. And today, we're not going to talk about the the epic, epic beatdown that the Browns put on the Steel, or on the, uh, I want to see one on the Steelers, but it had just put on the Bengals. Sometimes you just got to slap that little brother back into the place and send him back to Kentucky. Um, but we're not going to talk about that today. If you're interested in that one, Check out the Cleveland Browniacs tomorrow with me and Elliot Kennel. We'll uh, take on that whole topic. But today we're going to do the Steelers preview. So while we've got Jeff here, Jeff, I went back and I watched um, the football game that yeah. the Steelers were involved in. And uh, I got some thoughts, but I just kind of want to hear from a Steelers fan. Uh, what the elf happened? That's a great question. And uh, from the opening kickoff, the Steelers, probably the fan base, the team, they have no clue. Um, Mike Tomlin put it put it well when he said we got our teeth kicked in. Like that was a good description of the actual game Sunday at Acrisure Stadium when it was 30 to seven. And honestly, that score doesn't even indicate how lopsided it was. It could have been a lot worse. Uh, Yeah, it's you talk about turning the page the Steelers are turning that page so quick they're ready to move on uh, they don't want to hear about it anymore but I get it the Browns are definitely going to want to talk about it leading up to this primetime game on Monday night we're at least going to want to know like what happened in the game and that kind of thing so for for just just the fan base in case you sure. didn't watch the game I think the score of the final was like 30 or 20 30 to 7 30 to 7 actually I got that right 30 to 7 yep and uh, the game was pretty lopsided and one-sided on the 49ers side from the beginning. And I was concerned about the game because I'm like, this is so the NFL, right? We're going to schedule the Ravens against the Texans to start the season, and the Texans don't have three of their five offensive linemen, you know. And here comes the 49ers into Pittsburgh, and they're not going to be – they're going to be without George Kittle. They're going to be without Nick Bosa. 
looks like both of them played. Yep. Um, Kittle didn't seem to do a whole lot, but uh, neither did Nick Bosa, but honestly didn't look like they had to. So why don't you just, I know this is torture, but walk us through some of the key points of the game here. What what were some of the things that the Steelers uh, experienced in this game? Well, they experienced a game plan that was two weeks in the making that failed miserably. Like I think that's where we need to start, is that the coaching staff who had an extra week to prepare for this contest they felt like they had a really good grasp on what the 49ers were going to do. And you could tell it was so evident offensively, defensively doesn't matter when the Steelers got into that stadium from the first snap, they had no clue what San Francisco was doing. San Francisco disguised everything differently. They came out, for instance, when the Steelers came out in 11 personnel, they were expecting cover two. They got cover three, cover four, and it threw everything off because the Steelers offense, while prolific at times while brimming with potential is also extremely young. And mm-hmm. so when you have a really young offense adjusting on the fly is sometimes a challenge. The Steelers didn't even have a first down until their 95 yard touchdown drive at the end of the first half. I mean, I want you to think about that. Like they didn't even garner a first down up until that point. I believe they had one total yard of offense. It was three and out three and out repeat it, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And meanwhile, the defense which let's be honest, week one is like an extension of the preseason. They're getting gassed and TJ Watts, not used to playing that many snaps, nor is anyone Mm -hmm. else on the starting side of the, of the defense. They're getting gassed. Uh, Cam Hayward leaves with a groin injury, which is going to need to be uh, surgically repaired. He's probably headed to IR. He's going to miss the upcoming game. Mm -hmm. Um, So now all of a sudden Christian McCaffrey, he goes for over 150. Uh, They rush for 188 total. The San Francisco 49ers. That is the Steelers couldn't do anything. And I, I literally cannot remember a game that was just no matter what the Steelers tried to do, they failed miserably. It was a complete failure from top to bottom players, coaches, everything water boys doesn't matter. They all sucked. <laughs> Let's move on with our lives. That's what I'd like to so, say. So, you know, the NFL week <laughs> one is always, uh, you know, it's always the most volatile week, you know, yeah. like, like last night I was watching the Monday night game and I actually was the only one in my, in my league and pick them to pick the jets. And I got harassed all night until you know the kickoff the the punt return and, and then i got to talk some trash but <laughs> week one is so weird it's yeah. so weird you, you never know what's going to happen and then week two comes along and it's almost just as weird as week one because you have all these teams that win the games that are like oh yeah we're one and oh we're good and they get teams like the steelers they're like what the elf just happened and they're doubling down to make sure they don't start oh and two and so you end up with like most of the league at one and one before this is all over with. So given that, what do you think out of this performance are long-term worries for the Steelers? And I got a couple of these, or at least one of these I can think of, but I want to hear what you got to think. Um, In terms of concerns, it's really easy to try and have that knee-jerk reaction after a really bad performance and say, oh, the offensive line is going to be a major issue. The defensive line can't stop the run. Uh, the soft cover two zone that they tried to run didn't work. It's easy to, as Mike Tomlin would say, paint with a broad brush and therefore just assume that that's going to continue. But like you just said, week one can be an aberration. And so mm-hmm. week two is when a lot of times they might simplify things. They might fix some things. Mm-hmm. Also it might be when they, they make some adjustments with personnel. Uh, to give you an example, Desmond King was a cornerback that was picked up after he was cut by the Houston Texans. So he was inactive in week one because he probably wasn't ready. He probably didn't have 
uh, enough of a background of the Steelers defensive scheme. Is he ready in week two? And if so, what kind of role does he play? Who does he replace in the starting lineup? So there's all these different factors. But if I'm going to try and look at it from a realistic perspective, like I'm not sitting here with my black and gold glasses on, realistic perspective, I am concerned about the offensive line. Uh, it, it was touted to be vastly better, and they bring in Isaac Samalo from the Philadelphia Eagles, who's a very experienced, very intelligent player. All the rest of the crew uh, returns from last year, and it's expected that they're going to be more of the we dictate what happens, not the defense. That mm-hmm. was not the case. It wasn't even the case in the preseason when the Steelers' offense went five for five with five touchdowns in their five drives that they were on the field together. They never really dictated, like, we're going to push you back no matter what. We want to run it, we're going to run it. Even if you know we're going to run it, we're going to run it. They didn't do it, and that's a concern on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side, I'm concerned about the Steelers' unwillingness to make changes in the secondary. Levi Wallace is a cornerback that I, I'm, I've am i been concerned about, uh, had concerns leading into the season. He got torched on nor- more than one occasion in week one. Joey Porter Jr. is sitting there and played seven defensive snaps. I, I know he's a rookie. But let, let's if, if this continues, if this is a trend with Levi Wallace, I want to see the Steelers say, you know what? We're going to put the young guy in. We want to see what he can do. Because that's ultimately, you picked him 32nd overall, the first pick in the second round. Get him on the field. See what you have. I'm not going to hold my breath that they're going to do that. And that's a concern for me. Well, the fact that they're not going to do that should concern you as well. I mean, if it's yeah. if it's that bad, and, and how is this guy not better than that? Right. You know, I, I remember listening to watching the draft pick, and I'm like, I, like watching that draft, like they're going to pick Joey Porter Jr. Come on, it's the Steelers, right? And you know, that guy held a lot in college, so <laughs> there's there's going to be some questions about whether he can hold and yeah. hold up without holding, without becoming the next Marlon Humphreys, if he can can last out there. The only thing I think I've watched, I mean, I, I watched a lot of missed tackles. There were a lot of missed tackles. That's going to fall under the relax section, but. Uh, I, I was concerned about the uh, defensive line and particularly the between the uh, the guards in the center here because the Steelers' defense is often or is based on pressure up the middle, whether that's through the defensive tackles, whether that's through blitzes. However they're going to line it up, they're going to put that pressure up the middle, flush the quarterback, and let Hightower and Watt pick up the garbage. That That's how that system pretty much works. And if you lose Cam Hayward um, – I don't know who you got coming in because all of a sudden it's not going to be that pressure up the middle. And then the defense may not work the way, at least the front seven, which is what I'm concerned about. I, I, I focus on offensive defensive line play. Right. Right. So I I don't, I don't know if it's going to work that way anymore. So now you're going to have to have Hightower and Watt doing a lot more pass rushing in terms of just actually rushing as opposed to dropping and picking up the trash or, um, one side rushes, the other side drops. You may actually need that actual outside pressure rush. So I, you're going to have to rethink some of the way that the defense disguises and the defense operates if you're going to lose somebody that big right there in the middle. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Mike Tomlin talked uh, today, Tuesday, at his press conference about Cam Hayward. Now, he, it's not a, a one player is going to come in and fill that void. Like It's going to be a mm-hmm. multiple player uh, proposition if you're even going to try but it's also going to require some schematic changes. Like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. I honestly think that there are times where the Steelers would be better off simplifying their pass rush and letting Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt do nothing but what they do best. And that is pin your ears back and go knock the quarterback's head off. That's ultimately the simplification of it. The problem is, is that 
you know, they've been trying to run a lot of twists and, and they were so slow with their twists against mm-hmm. San Francisco. I mean, I'm watching the game live and I'm like, good Lord, it looks like they're playing in sand. Like it's so slow. Yeah, I, not to interrupt, not to interrupt, but I counted no. a two second twist one time it where unbelievable. the defensive yeah. tackle went outside. That end took two seconds to loop around. Like the quarterback, any quarterback with their salt is yeah. going to have the ball gone. Period. Absolutely. Yeah. So if they watch the tape and say, okay, with Cam in there, this is a possibility. With Cam not in there, maybe we cut that out. So maybe we simplify things. I think if you're looking for one player, and this is a huge ask, but if they could step up into a larger role, not the role, not Cam's role, but a larger role, it's second-round draft pick Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. He had a great game. He's been playing primarily nose tackle. I'm not sure how comfortable they are with him moving along the defensive line and playing some defensive end and defensive tackle and not just trying to plug up the middle. Will they promote more of a traditional nose tackle in Braden Fihoko, who's on their practice squad, who spent all uh, preseason and training camp with them to help be that kind of plug in the middle and then let Benton flex out? It's going to be really interesting what the Steelers plan up. They're going to have to have a plan. They can't just say, okay, you go in, you do what Cam does, because no one on that roster right. can do that. So right. I agree with you. The defensive front is a concern. They are deep there. They have some quality mm-hmm. depth, but it, you're talking about an all-pro, and you just yeah, don't right. replace an all-pro. Depth yeah. is one thing, and all-pro is something else. And right. the, when you have the all-pro, that also helps that depth get better matchups without that you're not going to get those better matchups let's move on for the sake of time here so what things about this game should the Steelers fans just take a deep breath and just relax I'll actually start with this one the tackling will get better yeah it will get better I mean there were a lot of missed tackles and I've watched a lot of uh, CMC Christian McCaffrey over the years and he makes everybody do that period so this will get better. <laughs> They're going to be a better yeah. tackling team. Communication is going to get better. And that's across the board. And after the game, Kenny Pickett talked openly about how there were some plays where he and the receivers were seeing things differently. So in other words, Kenny Pickett's reading zone, the receivers reading man, he's expecting him to sit down in that zone. Instead, he's running through the man coverage regardless of who's right or wrong. They're on the wrong page. And that's a mm-hmm. problem. That's a communication issue. Likewise, on the defensive end, I think some fans just kind of assumed that the communication would be there. We're talking about a secondary that is almost completely revamped outside of Minka Fitzpatrick, DeMonte Casey, who missed the majority of last season with an injury being on IR, and Levi Wallace, who I mentioned already didn't play well. Mm -hmm. You're talking new corners. You're talking about new safeties. You're talking about an entire inside linebacker group that was overhauled. Everyone else that was there from last year, except for Mark Robinson, who was a seventh round pick in 2022. He's a depth guy. It is new. Landon Roberts, Quan Alexander, and Cole Holcomb. There are going to be some issues. I say all the time, like, hey, this is one of those we got to relax. They're going to start figuring things out, what to expect from each other. I think that'll eventually, this communication, the communication aspect on both sides of the ball will absolutely figure itself out. And, and lastly, and I'll say this, the quarterback play is not going to be that bad for the long term. It was awful, but it's not going to be that bad for the long term. Well, I'll tell you, there's a lot of Browns fans fans that do think it will be that bad for the long term. (laughs) I think this thing about Kenny Pickett in his hands, I don't understand it. But, you know, look, the guy can play quarterback. He showed it in college. He's a a first-round pick for a reason. I think some people want to easily dismiss that. But speaking of communication issues, we're going to head right into our break and pay the bills. So after we come back, we're going to talk with Jeff about 
what to watch for in the game before we come back for the Ravens hate, which is probably going to be my longest and favorite segment of the show. So hang on. All right, guys, we're back. Thanks for uh, listening to the sponsors. Go to the sponsors. We make millions upon millions, as Jeff will tell you, off these podcasts. Yeah. So uh, check out the sponsors. Um, I'm hoping to get paid someday, maybe. Probably not. <laughs> but I'm not here to get paid. I'm here to hey, have some keep fun. Keep plugging away. Keep plugging away. So, You'll get there. So uh, things to watch for in this game. I want to start a little bit with some things that Browns fans. And, and again, for Browns fans, what should Browns fans watch for in this game? Um I'm going to say this. Watch the offensive and defensive line go on, particularly the Browns offensive line versus the uh, Steelers defensive line. That is where this game's going to get won and lost. And I'm not convinced that the Browns offensive line is as good as the hype that's out there, particularly if you're going to ask Jed Wills to block TJ Watt. That's that's just a nightmare. Um, if, if Jack Conklin probably being gone for the season, we're going to look at uh, big mama jamba out there at right tackle. Expect that to be exploited. Um, so the, the offensive line versus the Steelers defensive line is going to be a good battle to watch. And then also on the flip side, I like the, uh, the Browns defensive line against the, uh, the Steelers, uh, offensive line. I think the, the Browns are all over the place. They're dynamic. Uh, they're doing the Jim Schwartz thing, right? You line up in the NASCAR situation. You, you got defensive ends playing defensive tackle. You got defensive tackles playing defensive end. You got defensive ends dropping and pass. Miles Garrett almost gets an interception. There's a lot out there to watch. Um, so, Keep, a, keep an eye on the particularly the offensive line of the Browns and their offensive tackles uh, against the uh, Steelers' uh, defensive tackles, or excuse me, defensive end, their edge players. Uh, particularly if Cam Hayward's out, there might be a lot of Nick Chubb up the middle. So we'll, we'll see. What do you think, Jeff? What, what, what should Browns fans be watching for? Well, what are some interesting you what, things? You just named one, and that's TJ Watt against whoever you put out there at right tackle. I don't even know. But if, if Conklin's out, which I'm assuming with an ACL, MCL tear, he's done. I don't even know who the backup is, but you go look last week against San Francisco. Where was their weak point? It's not left tackle. Okay. Trent Williams is one of the best in the league for a reason. It was mm-hmm. right tackle. And George Kittle, you mentioned earlier, he did play, but he didn't do much. Why? He was on the right side almost the entire game. And TJ Watt still had three sacks. So you're. it's a game where TJ Watt, is going to wreck things. He always does. He is just so technically sound. People hate him probably in Cleveland, right? I get it. But at the same time, unless they do run the ball, which you talked about Nick Chubb, and you don't have to get in obvious passing situations, well, that's how you negate TJ Watt. And so if the Steelers mm-hmm. are smart, they're going to be thinking, we number one, priority number one, slow down. I'm not going to say stop because I'm not stupid, and I know that you never completely remove Nick Chubb from the game. Slow him down. Don't let him gash you. Try and minimize first down success. And that's where the Steelers can then maybe hopefully in second and third and long pin their ears back and get after Deshaun Watson, who very interested in him. Like that's another thing to watch as a Steelers fan is what does this guy look like? It's just so tough. Like you see some of these throws and I didn't watch the game. I'm not going to lie. I didn't see the Browns Bengals game. But you're on Twitter and you see some of these throws and you're just kind of scratching your head saying, what the hell was that? Like, where is he throwing the you football? Say, what the elf oh, was that? Oh, what the elf? Show. I'm sorry. What fault. the elf was that? This is a G. No, let, let's, let's, no, this is the title of the show, right? You're <laughs> no, on what the elf it, was yeah. that? Um, I ask these questions a lot, but let's, let's talk about Deshaun Watson for a second. Sure. Deshaun Watson, I think, is in this precarious situation with the NFL, right? They, they don't want to keep talking about all this other stuff going on. 
but they also don't want him to become the center of anything positive. Okay, so Deshaun Watson yesterday threw for a touchdown, an interception off a tipped pass, and 154 yards. And there are all kinds of stuff out there. You've seen it. You've referenced it, that he had a terrible, terrible game. Okay? Joe Burrow throws for 82 yards, and nobody says crap. All right? So the Bengals' offense can't muster but six first downs the entire game, and nobody says nothing. And the Browns have seven three-and-outs against Joe Burrow, that offense, and that game, and nobody says nothing. But Deshaun Watson throws a wonky pass that you know gets tipped, and every, it's all over the internet. That That's where Deshaun Watson's at right now. You know, it wasn't a good passing game. I was at the game. There was a lot of rain, a lot of drizzle. You know, the referees are out there covering the footballs like they do. Um, it was not a run-and-gun game. But the game was a three yards in a cloud of dust game. The old school, like 80s, 90s, Jim Trestle at Ohio State kind of game where, like, you're playing for field goals. And the team that kicked the most field goals, the Browns kicked, like, four, won the game, right? This is what the game was. Done a lot of passing on either side. I mean, nobody really was lighting it up. So I anticipate that this is what the Steelers game is going to be, is a lot more ground and pound. I I don't see there being a lot of... Let's get uh, Deshaun Watson out there and throw the ball all over the place because in the first half, he looked very antsy. His feet were moving constantly. He wasn't really getting set. He looked very uncomfortable. Toward the second half, he started to set more, throw good balls. Uh, receivers dropped a lot of passes on him, um, but it's wet. It's it's a wet, rainy game. And for whatever reason, Kevin Stefanski still likes to throw the ball no matter what the weather is. So... Okay, we're, we're just going to throw yeah. the ball. I mean, it was like 20 below against the uh, Saints last year, and you know, Stefanski's out there having Watson throw pass after pass after pass, and you're just like, what are we doing? <laughs> it's yeah. 20 below out here. And, and so that's what the Browns are going to do with Watson, but I, I think the coverage of Watson is disproportionate to the play of Watson. I mean, Watson did a lot with his legs in a running game, right? So when you're you're in a position like three great, three yards in a – cloud of dust kind of game the more you look like the old Ravens offense the better off you're going to be a lot of those read options multiple options using your quarterback as a runner to give the defense uh, hesitation and allowing those power plays and those zones to work the more you can play like that the better off you're going to be create multiple options within the run game itself without relying on the pass game Watson was able to do that the Browns couldn't do that with any other quarterback they've had you can't do that with Baker Mayfield you can't do that with Jacoby Brissett. I mean, you could somewhat with uh, DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson. He's another one that fits that mold. But what Watson was able to do as a quarterback was disrupt the defense in the run game by being a running option. You know, I think the first Browns touchdown was a designed quarterback run. So he he's contributing, but not in the traditional way when you get into that three yards in a cloud of dust kind of game. But the coverage, you'd have thought this guy limped out there on a crutch and had two broken knees and arm is a big spaghetti arm. And I mean, it, it, it is what it is, right? You, know, you, just, you just don't want this guy with the shady track record becoming the, the face of a league. So right. Browns go out there, pound Joe Burrow into uh, oblivion and pound the Bengals into it. I mean, it was really a butt kicking last week, uh, last Sunday into oblivion. And like, that's not going to be the coverage, right? The coverage is going to be 
oh my God, Deshaun Watson's terrible. So I would just say, whatever you hear, just take it all with a grain of salt. There's a, a deeper political agenda behind all this. And, you know, a lot of it, in my opinion, is to deflect from, you know, their own issues as owners. But now we're getting into some of the crazy stuff. Well, so yes, let's, let's, that's, let's, a, that's Pandora's box right there. You let's let's just that, stay on the football game. <laughs> let's just stay on the football game on this one. So I, don't, I would say, you know, to any, any, uh, you know, anybody from, Pittsburgh watching or listening to this, you know, Watson's a good quarterback. He was a top five for a reason. Now he's not going to be the highlight reel. You're interested in watching in like, Oh, here's Deshaun Watson running all over the place. Like Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson doesn't do that anymore. And Lamar Jackson doesn't do that because the league has caught up with him. You now have linebackers. that are as fast as Lamar Jackson as before. You've got like five, eight or four, eight, four, nine guys playing linebacker. Now you got the four, three, four, four guys playing linebacker. It's Lamar Jackson isn't even Lamar Jackson anymore. That's why the Ravens are getting away from that offense. They know that it's it's done. They've had their eight years. They've seen every NFL team. Every NFL team knows what it is. It's time to to move on. You know, that's a good at least point. four that's years a, of it. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I'm just you know I, I'm curious. I'm curious about Deshaun Watson in the long term. Uh, the contract is the contract, regardless of shady past and all that stuff. That, that contract was yikes. I mean, that, that hey, if it works out, it works out, and then you're not kicking yourself for the contract. But if it doesn't, as a Steeler fan, very intrigued to see how that ha- how that plays out. But uh, ultimately, for me, the only other thing I'm going to say is I want to see the Steelers quarterback play better. I want to see the play calling. I want to see actually moving the football on occasion. And the fact that the Browns defense did what they did in week one, eh, it doesn't it doesn't lend itself to a lot of optimism. We'll put it that way. <laughs> And now maybe I'm on the other side. I watched that game and I thought, okay, that's correctable. That's correctable. That's correctable. Um, this is fixable. This is fixable. And uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a pretty good game. I mean, I, I don't see the Browns running in there and blowing anybody out. I don't see the Steelers blowing anybody out. I think this no? is going to be a, yeah, I agree with that. This is going to be about a 10 point swing either way. Um, that That's kind of how I see this. All right. So let's go into, and I asked you to prepare for this one. Yeah. My favorite segment of, this is almost even like why I do podcasts just for this segment. So you guys all know what it is. This is our famous, infamous Ravens hate segment. Ravens hate, baby. Here we go. I'm actually a Ravens fan. Go to hell. I'm actually a Ravens fan. No, stop. <laughs> Keeps repeating on me. I don't get it. All right, there we go. So the Ravens, did you get a chance to watch the... Uh, the epic, uh, why would I put this, college game. This game, like, for the Ravens had against the Texans was, like, Alabama scheduling the Eastern County yeah, Community College of the West Side of Suburbia, Tennessee, or something. I mean, this is ridiculous. You're starting C.J. Stroud out there, which, you know, an Ohio State guy, we kind of like C.J. Stroud. But it's his first start. As a rookie, first start ever, and you have three offensive linemen injured, and everybody's young, new head coach. It's like, I'm not going to get into the conspiracy theories, but if there were people paying people off, I think Biscotti's got the uh, schedule maker in his pocket for a lot of reasons. But, well, you know, I mean, hey, every team's going to get their shot at the Texans. Maybe not in week one with a rookie quarterback, but uh, everyone will get their shot at, at Houston. Hey, and it came at a price. Came at a price. You look at the Ravens. They are a banged up group right now. 
J.K. Dobbins, ruptured Achilles, done for the year. Uh, I think Ronnie Stanley is going to be off the out of the lineup for an extended period of time, which he always is. But still, again, he's hurt again. Uh, I saw a that hurts me, a- man, because I'm a Notre Dame guy. Okay. Like I went to Notre Dame, so that that hurts me. You know, <laughs> one to see my Notre Dame people in Baltimore. I just can't even watch Kyle Hamilton anymore. But you know, to see him hurt, man. Yeah. He, uh, he, he's really hurt is because he got drafted by the Ravens. He needs to go yeah, somewhere that's true else. Too. Yeah. I mean, but Marlon Humphrey didn't play last week. Mark Andrews <laughs> didn't play last week. The safety, they had another, they lost another safety for the year, I believe with an injury. I'm not sure if it was a knee or something along those lines, but I saw someone on Twitter had just this laundry list of injuries. I mean, wow, like this is happening again. The Ravens, it seems like every single season deal with these huge debilitating injuries and it just doesn't seem to end. So uh, the Ravens, yeah, they win the game barely. It was ugly. There was no nothing pretty about it. Lamar Jackson didn't look great. This new look offense with Zay Flowers and OBJ didn't look great. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about yeah. this. We're going to talk about this. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, for for me, I, I hate the Ravens. I live in Maryland. I've having to be be around a lot of that purple and black every single day of my life. Uh, but for me, I look at it and say the Ravens won, but not impressive. I am not impressed at all. I I would agree. Like I was expecting one of these like 56 to nothing beat downs. Yeah. Like, like the year the dolphins were tanking and the Ravens got to play them the first game of the season and they beat them like 56 to nothing. Yeah. And Lamar Jackson was the second coming of, I don't know, Lamar Jackson. Cause he's the second coming of himself. Um, I, you know, I, I tend to read some af- you know, some websites out there and there was hype in this offense Hyping and hyping how you got you got five first round draft picks as wide receivers. This one they had Laquan Treadwell, OBJ, Bateman, Zay Flowers, and Nelson Aguilar end up cutting Laquan Treadwell. I'm like, what happened to the big five? Now you're down to the big four, apparently. Not like Treadwell was anything anyway, but right. <laughs> come yeah. on. You know, and then they're after this Todd Monkin thing, and they get OBJ. Now, first of all, Todd Monkin and OBJ did not get along when they were in Cleveland. Okay. And if you think this offense would work, it would work in Cleveland when you have Baker Mayfield, who came out of that system, that air raid style system, when he was in college, right? And OBJ and Baker couldn't get on the same page. And it was it was OBJ. I don't care how much people want to say it was Baker. It was OBJ. Didn't really quite understand the improvisation involved in that offense. So Monken, who failed miserably in Tampa Bay, could make an argument, failed pretty miserably in Cleveland, and then went to Georgia and ran this offense. Like, oh, my gosh, they won the national championship. And then, like, goes to Baltimore, and now we're going to see something different with it? I mean, that air raid stuff is predicated on my players are better than your players. I mean, that's it. Like, my guy in space is better than your guy in space. And guess what? This is the NFL. Your guy in space is not better than my guy in space. They're pretty much the same player in space. So I don't understand why people think this is going to work. And what shocked me about it was that the Texans, and as bad as they are right now, they knew exactly how to defend that system. And they really shut that offense down for a while until they, you know, till the uh, Ravens gave them like, or excuse me, until the Texans gave them like three possessions in their territory. Like they scored two touchdowns off drives that started in like, the 40 plus range, right? Like if you don't get the ball on that side of the field, what's the score really going to be? 
But anyway, I want to get your thoughts on this offense because I've been talking for six months that <laughs> this thing is going to blow up in their face. And Domingo <sighs> Ryan is a good coach. He's a good defensive coordinator as well. So I want to give a little bit of credit to the Houston Texans defensive coaching staff. Oh, they, yeah. They, they, they have knew, a good plan in place. They had a good plan They knew in place. exactly what to do with that air raid style stuff. Yeah. They knew exactly how to deal with it's, it. It's going to sound very simplistic, but it's going to come down to Lamar Jackson being able to make the plays when they present themselves. I do think they have a, a very good roster. Now that roster is now not as strong as it was a week ago without the running game of JK Dobbins. I mean, what are they going to do? Have Melvin Gordon again? I mean, that's yeah, let's put Melvin Gordon yeah. back in there. It, it's one of those situations <laughs> where JK Dobbins is dynamic and I like JK Dobbins a lot. I liked him coming out of college. He was a potential pick for the Steelers and I would have been fine with it, but he's good and he's going to be gone again. And so Lamar Jackson, everyone harkens back to his Louisville days where he ran the spread offense and he was chucking all over the field. Yeah, I get it. But look at what he's done in the NFL in the national football league. When he's been tasked with throwing the ball a ridiculous amount of times, it rarely ever pans out. And so they're going to abandon the running game. The Mm -hmm. team that had the best running game for, I don't know what the last six years, every single year, if they're going to abandon that plan and say, we're just going to start chucking it. Then I say as a Steeler fan, thank you. Thank go for it. Because, Just go yeah, for it. Absolutely. Yeah, you bring in Todd Monk and you get rid of Greg Roman. Thank you. Because you know what? You all were tougher to defend with Greg Roman in that ground and pound. We're going to run it down your throat style. Now, the only guys that really, you know, hey, you can have OBJ. You can have Zay Flowers. All the people that you name, throw in Mark Andrews at tight end, who I love. If you can't connect on those passes, if Lamar Jackson can't run that scheme, it's all for nothing. So mm-hmm. offensively, We'll see if it gets better. I'm sure it will. But at the same time, do they strike fear in me as a Steelers fan? The answer is no, not at all. No, I, I think the system is very simplistic. And I think it's that for a reason. I mean, right. So Lamar Jackson comes out of Louisville. He's played in that, that pro style offense. Coming out, almost every team wanted him to be a wide receiver. I don't know if you remember that about that draft. Yeah, absolutely. Almost every team, like they watched him run an offense, a pro style offense, and said, You're a wide receiver. And the Ravens brought him and said, we have a plan for this guy. We're going to run this this offense, this Greg Roman stuff, and we're going to do a lot of read options. We're going to ground and pound. We're going to use the quarterback as a running option to free up that 11th man and give us some number advantage at the line of scrimmage. Now you're saying, well, now we don't want to go to a pro-style offense, so we're going to go to this, you know, great uh, Leach, Brian, Brian Leach? What's his name? Leach. He just died recently, created the Mike, air raid. Mike, Leach. Mike, Mike Leach just yeah. created the air raid offense, right? Mike Leach, we're going to run this Mike Leach air raid, run everybody long and then stem off of it or run some to read the corners and all this kind of stuff to make it really, 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 really simple on the quarterback, which seems to be the theme of all of the Ravens offenses. Let's make this yeah. as easy as we can on Lamar Jackson. And I mean, the NFL's seen this. They've tried to run this in Arizona and it didn't work. You know, people have played Cliff Kingsbury. People have played against Todd Monken, and it has just did not worked. And I, I get it. The Ravens were going to pick up every wide receiver known to humanity and and throw receivers at it, which is what the Cardinals did with with Cliff Kingsbury, right? You know, it, it, in the end, the NFL is not going to be let's let's just read corners and chuck the ball down the field kind of situation, or excuse me, read wide receivers and chuck the ball down the field. There's a lot of picks out there. Monken's offenses are notorious for interceptions. I, I I just, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, this is a team that 
every year would like draft a defensive player and you knew that when you walked in there you had to beat their defense and they might throw Trent Dilfer or somebody out there which uh, Mel Kuyper's big on might just throw some mm-hmm. Trent Dilfer out there and win a Super Bowl off our defense but yeah some some college schemes some schemes not entire offenses and entire you know, let's bring this entire philosophy to the NFL. Some concepts can work. I mean, look at Andy right. Reid in Kansas City. They do mm-hmm. a lot of college concepts, yep. but they also are smart enough to recognize that you could never run an entire offense that is built like that. So yep. anyone that brings it, hey, look at Brian Kelly is like the prime example. I'm going to go to Philadelphia. I'm gonna oh, man, now we're talking Ducks. about Notre Dame guy, man. <laughs> he and you know, his I mean, family went to LSU. Yeah, so I mean, it's 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 <laughs> all, all these. You know, you have uh, who was yeah, who was the coach that went to Philly from Oregon that uh, was in all that hot um, water, and he took Jim, his uh, Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly, there you go. I, I got the Kellys wrong, but he okay. goes and he we're gonna we're gonna absolutely revitalize this Philadelphia offense. We're gonna have the the no huddle offense. We're gonna have the cards on the sideline. We're gonna move quick, quick, quick. And what happened? All it was was you had more a faster three and outs, and then the it's defense Chip was Kelly. Gassed. Chip Kelly, thank Chip, you very uh, Jim much. Jim Kelly's the quarterback for Buffalo. Yeah. It's Chip yes, I Kelly. remember Jim. I remember Jim. Okay, there we go. Chip now we got Kelly, it right. Chip Kelly from Oregon, he tries to do all this stuff. And what if it was a colossal failure? And it ended up he lost his job. He never really got back into football. And I don't even know what he's doing now, but still. Uh, he coaches it, it, UCLA right now. Oh, there you go. I don't know if he's still and, running the same concepts. but Yes, he is. <laughs> it doesn't work in the NFL. That's what I'm trying I, to say. I agree. These I agree. College schemes just don't work. So I know it's a long Ravens hate segment, but I could go on a, long, a while. On oh, no, I, I'm, I'm good, man. I can, <laughs> I can keep going. I just, you know, like Elliot and I get on to the uh, Cleveland Brownie X podcast, and it's we just sit there and ask these questions like, what are they doing out there? You know, like all kinds of questions you can ask. Like, yeah. they just completely forgot who they are. Like, they came from Cleveland. Belichick put this system in place, right? They moved to Baltimore. They become the Ravens. Art Modell fires the second or first, depends on where you rate Paul Brown or Bill Belichick, because Modell fired both of them. Fired the second best head coach in the NFL. And Ozzie Newsome, who was trained in that system, just you know, kind of kept the machine rolling, right? Just kind of said, look, this is how we're going to evaluate players. This is how we're going to do this. Or we're going to do that. Then Eric DaCosta comes along. And they just keep drafting receiver after receiver after receiver. And they're like, why don't these receivers work? I'm like, well, you got to throw them the ball first of all, you know, and, and those receivers don't want to run over the middle and get hit like tight ends will tight ends will go out and do that for you. We like Zay flowers ain't going to do that for you. It'd be stupid for him to do that for you. Right. Throw your, throw your tight end out there. Let him take the hit. You know, you it's want your two. You want your big guy getting the hits from the little people. You don't want your little people getting hit by the big guys. I mean, hey, I don't know. Hey, the AFC North is going to be hot and heavy in week two because obviously Cleveland, Pittsburgh, but then also Cincinnati, Baltimore on Sunday. It's going to be a good week. Is that who the Bengals got? Yep. I'm going to watch that one. <laughs> I'll actually be. We're all going to watch that one because I'll actually be game on. I'll actually be rooting for the Bengals on that one because one, the Browns already have a tiebreaker on them, and two. Like, I just hate Baltimore that much, man. That, yeah, I hate that town. I've been there yeah. way too many times in my life. And I just, it's, dumb. It's, it's, it's a dump. I ever tell you what happened? My, the, the, I went to the Ravens, I went to a Ravens game there. There's so many stories out of this game, but here's like one of them that really kind of got me going. So I'm at, you know, around Fort Meade, driving up, 
what I would consider the back way because normally I go to Kung Fu tournaments there and come south to the stadium. Now I'm going north to the stadium, okay? And I'm driving along, and it's like this six-lane inner city road just littered with homeless people yes. walking across the street. And, like, they are mad at you if you, like, honk a horn or, or like, like just suggest that, like, they shouldn't be in the middle of the road, like, in the middle of an intersection. Like, it's just insane. It's like the zombies walking dead out there. Like, and then you got to walk in the stadium through Pot Alley. I mean, like, it's this sad, is, yeah, yeah like, like. And what I mean by that is they have like the Browns have this thing around their stadium. I'm sure the Pittsburgh has it as well. Like the big party outside before you go For in. Sure. Yeah. Like it's this big long corridor up to the stadium. And like the, the marijuana smell just starts before you can see it. And then you just walk through and it's like this haze you're walking through. It's insane. And then they're all like, Hey, what's a Brown anyway? I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know what a Brown is. First of all, you take the St. Louis Browns and you turn them into the Baltimore Orioles and then you take the Cleveland Browns and turn them into the Baltimore Ravens. If you don't know what a Brown is, it's because of your stupid city. <laughs> don't let a team with the name Browns go near that city. They'll take them and change them into something else. I've always said that's one of the few places I refuse to go to a game. Um, and oh, yeah. honestly, I've heard from Steelers Ravens, which that hits a little different here in Maryland. Uh, Steelers mm-hmm. Ravens does. I've heard horror stories about Steelers fans that have gone there. Uh, some despicable stuff. And so that's why I told my kids, like, look, if I'm ever taking you to the game, we're going to the 412 area code. We'll watch it amongst Steeler fans. But no, and, and that's a shame too. It really is a mm-hmm. shame because, you know, I only live an hour out of Baltimore. Uh, so nonetheless, you won't I'll catch you, me at M&T Bank anytime soon. I'll tell you this. The the only other time, I, like, I only went one time, but I went to the bathroom by myself, which was a mistake. Go into the bathroom and I'm going to the bathroom. I'm surrounded by Ravens fans and they all just start yelling at me. Yeah. Why is this Browns fan in the in the bathroom and blah blah just Browns this, Browns that? And I just like it's like, look, I get it. I get it, y'all. You used to be us. You're upset. You got some kind of inferiority complex. I get it. I get you're upset. And like I swear I was gonna get attacked. I, I like, well, yeah. I like mid peen just pulled up my pants and just <laughs> ran out. <laughs> I like, dang, I mean, I've I've been all over the NFL stadiums. I never once felt like Hey, I think I might actually be in physical danger, and like that's the only place where I felt like it. But yeah, absolutely. But my, I, yeah. I have family out there, so I, I'm usually out there for that game. But uh, all right, luck. well, let's 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 wrap this up. Any any final thoughts here? Um, anything the Browns fans should know about the Steelers going into this week? Uh, yeah, it, Mike Tomlin rarely gets beat that bad twice ever. Uh, he's mm-hmm. he's going to have his team ready. They're going to bounce back. Whether that equates in a win, we'll, we'll see. But uh, uh, if Browns fans are thinking that week one is going to bleed into week two in terms of the way they play, the outcome of the game, the lopsided nature, I'm going to I'm going to strongly disagree and think that you think the other way, that Mike Tomlin at home in primetime, especially Monday night, he has a tremendous record in that area. Uh, he's going to have his team ready to go. Whether they make mm-hmm. enough plays to win, we shall see. But if Browns fans out there are thinking, oh, this is going to be a cakewalk because the Steelers got trounced in week one. I want to pump your brakes a little bit. It's going to be a closer game than you think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be about a 10-point swing one way or the other. Yeah. And uh, I I was watching that Steelers game, and I was thinking, okay, that's fixable. That's fixable. Sure. That's fixable. Uh, like like we agreed earlier, like the defense is going to figure out something with Hayward not there. Um, are we going to try to blitz more? Are we going to try the same thing? Are we going to rethink our – 
the way we employ our defense. I mean, there's some changes to be made there, but I think in the end, the uh, the Steelers are going to be ready to go, and it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I hope so. I appreciate you having me on. This was great. Uh, thanks for coming on. Hopefully no helmets are flying this week. <laughs> not yet. Ho- hopefully not. So, all right, guys, we'll catch you on the flip side on next Tuesday on What the Elf Was That? Thank you for listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast. Please like, subscribe, and tell all your friends to give a listen. You can follow host Joel Cade on Twitter at The Left Guard.